And yes, we are going to finish <clears throat> Philemon today. Some of y'all thought we never would, but we're here, and so we're grateful for that. Uh, just to start out, I, just to remind you that I like stories, good stories. I like movies with good stories. And I want to remind you of a story today. Maybe you remembered it a certain amount of weeks ago. There was a young man born into slavery with no purpose in life. He lived with a benevolent master and family. But something happened, maybe a theft or uh, some other issue. But in any case, he, he ran. And he ran away. And he became a runaway slave. He heads to the metro area, if you will. He travels at night. He hides and rests in the day. He knows that death can come to a runaway slave. He arrives in the city, and of all things, he meets a church member who takes him to a prison to meet an old guy. And he thinks, as he is taken to the cell, I, I must be caught. Something must have happened. But that wasn't the case. He, he meets the old man there. The old man talks with him through the night. And by morning, this runaway slave has given his life to Jesus Christ. He returns daily to visit. And this prisoner, this old guy, writes a lot. He thought that was strange. And asks him to do various errands and help serve him. And he does that. And finally, the old guy lets the cat out of the bag, so to speak. He wants the runaway slave to return back home and be reconciled to his master. In fact, he says, return tonight and you'll be accompanied by a friend and by this letter. Well, this is the story of the letter to Philemon, or at least with a little artistic license that I've taken. But you'll remember some of those high points as we've been going through. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter of forgiveness and reconciliation around AD 61 or AD 62 he's imprisoned in Rome it's true it really did happen it's a small letter with big lessons 335 Greek words that's all there are it's the shortest of Paul's letter and the question becomes as we <clears throat> finish up today why have we studied this well of course you might say it's part of the Word of God. I'm going to get to that in a minute. But yeah, why, why study this? Well, number one, it's a picture of our relationship with Jesus Christ. If you'll look closely, if you'll look thoughtfully, if you'll move beyond just uh, letters and punctuation, you'll see that picture. Secondly, it's a practical example of forgiveness between believers because, as we know, that's what happens. Philemon, the master, was the believer, was he not? In fact, to such a point that he had a house and the church met in his house. And, and he did a lot of things in service to our Lord. And the runaway slave, Onesimus, gets saved. And so they are now believers, brothers together. So it's a practical example of forgiveness between believers. Number three, I think it gives insight into a portion of Paul's character to see how concerned he is about forgiveness and how concerned he is about reconciliation. And number four, it is part of the Word of God. So that trumps everything else, why we might look at it. Because if we believe God's Word to be inerrant, infallible, God's, God breathed exactly how God has preserved it for us, then it's worthy to look at all of it. As you came in today, hopefully you picked up, um, I put together 
a little forgiveness paper. Hopefully you got it. If you didn't get it, you can sure get it on the way out. We'll have it out for a few weeks. This is uh, an interesting thing that I put together looking at with help from some different people about forgiveness and about unforgiveness, and I hope you'll take a look at it. This is not so much a Bible study as it is practical example of what happens when we forgive or when we don't forgive. You may find in one of these uh, sections your story. And I would just say, if you find something that resonates with you, that you would consider spending some time with the Lord. I will share some more verses uh, either next week or maybe in my Thursday email probably listing a bunch of Bible verses dealing with forgiveness. So if you want to do that Bible study, you can. But, but take a look at that. Don't get upset if you don't like something that's in here. It's okay. Maybe it's not for you, that part. Or maybe it hits home and it's personal. And I would just give you the Greek word for, for what I want you to do with that. Deal with it, okay? Just deal with it, all right? Maybe it's something you should have dealt with for a while. But I want us to think about this today. And I, and I want you to really consider it. Maybe you'll jot it down. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your circumstances, whoever you are, serve God. Can you see that as we've gone through this little letter? Can you see both ends of the spectrum and everything in between? You see, it doesn't matter what your circumstances are. I'm sorry. <clears throat> It doesn't matter who you are or what your past has been like, what you think your future might be. In this moment, at this time, serve God. Serve God. So let's pick it up, the last three verses. You're probably wondering, how are we going to do a sermon on a bunch of names? <laughs> but they're there, so let's take a look at them. Look at the last three verses. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greet you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my co-workers. And as David mentioned earlier, verse 25, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. God, we do thank you for that grace. We do ask for that even today in our lives. We do think about others, co-workers, those who are fighting the fight, those all around the world who are sharing the gospel, those even in the neighborhoods of our city sharing the gospel. I would pray that today we would be resolved to walk out of this room or if we're listening online as we turn off our device, that we would be resolved to serve you. No matter the circumstance we find ourselves in, or no matter what our past or our present is like. So help us to do that, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, has any, anybody ever see a movie? Just checking. I, I, I have to be careful now because some of y'all haven't seen one in a long time. So I maybe, you know, it's okay if we go back to the, you know, that didn't have words. You know, we can go back that far if we need to. But most of us have seen a movie, and if you stay, listen, I do a little research now when I go see a movie. Do you know what I'm researching? Anybody know? Huh? Post-credits? Yes. Nowadays, they put, as the, you know what the credits are as they roll? It gives the names of all the people who are involved in the production and everything. 
Sometimes they slip in a little part of the way through at the end of it, another scene. You didn't know that. You got up and left with your popcorn and wondered why people were still sitting there. It's because they researched it, especially Avengers or something like that. They give a little, a little blurb of what, oh, there's going to be another movie. And that's, that's the little post-credit thing. But most of us at least know as we're leaving that the credits are rolling and we see the names of the people involved in the production of the movie. Well, at the end of this short letter, we see the names of people involved here with Paul at this time when this letter was written. So we're going to look at it. We've got five names to look at. And I'll talk fast and you'll listen fast. Uh, number one, which is point number one, is the prisoner. And we call him Epaphras. First off, Epaphras was a co-worker with Paul. Very interesting guy. He helped start the work in Colossae, in Laodicea, and in Heropolis. He did this after hearing the gospel from Paul in Ephesus. That's a lot of cities to think about. But when we look at Colossians 1-7, we look at Colossians 4, verses 12 and 13, we see this is a guy that was impacted by the gospel. Paul's sharing it in Ephesus, and he comes along, and he's helping start work in these various cities. In fact, he was sent to see Paul, who's in prison, from the church. That's meeting in the home of Philemon. He's well-known by Philemon and all who gathered in his home. Now, scholars note, uh, they, they argue just a little here, but he was either arrested for his stand for Christ, for the gospel, or he underwent voluntary house arrest. Well, what does that mean? He lived in the same conditions and restrictions as Paul. Why? So he could minister to Paul. But in either case, whichever camp you fall in, whether he was just in prison or he voluntarily did this to minister to Paul, Epaphras had towards Paul a deep friendship and he had a devotion to Christ. And so he is a fellow prisoner, if you will. And from Colossians, which you've picked up by now, if you read Philemon, you ought to read Colossians because they go right together. I mean, it's a, the same place. We see that Epaphras <clears throat> labored in prayer for the church and its people, longing that they would, get this, this is from Colossians 4.12, from Scripture, it says this, longing that they would stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. This was his prayer. This was his labor. He ministered to them during struggles. Did you know churches sometimes have struggles? You know, uh, should I let you in on an old preacher joke? The only thing wrong with churches is they're full of sinners, of which I art one, right? Isn't that crazy how that works? I love when people say, well, I can't go to church because the hypocrite's there. I'm like, you got no clue, buddy. You have no idea what the church is full of. They're not hypocrites. Let me go a step further. We're a bunch of sinners saved by grace. We're a bunch of sinners who have met the Savior of the world, the Lord of all mankind, if you will submit to him. So you can call it that, but you're, you're, you're off a little bit. It's a bunch of sinners. So yes, churches have struggles. And Epaphras ministered to, the, to them during struggles. This church struggled with, especially if you look at Colossians, struggled with the theology of Christ's supremacy. If you can believe that, that was something that was going on. And going on in some really, some really powerful studs, I call them, finally nailed that down and look. Christ is supreme. 
the deity of Christ is real. These other isms that you are bringing to the table, they're not true. They're not accurate. They don't fit with Scripture. So they struggle with that, the supremacy of Christ. They also struggled, as a lot of churches do, with the battle of legalism. And you can see certain conditions that humans that I want to put on something, and you must be like this to follow Christ. They struggle with proper conduct for believers. And uh, lastly, they struggled with correct relationships among households and Christians, of which Philemon is a great example of that. So, number one is the prisoner Epaphras. And I'm going to do this with each name. And here, here's how I'm going to summarize it. I would say it about this. Everyone needs an Epaphras in their life. Do you get that? If you're a Christian, you, you need an Epaphras in your life. You, you, you need someone with you in your life. A wonderful benefit about the Christian journey is that we do not have to walk it alone. Are you aware of that? We do not have to walk this journey alone. It's a difficult journey, but we don't have to walk it alone, nor did God ever intend that we try to do so. And I would just share this with you today. We need to find at least one, I would say preferably more, but at least one mature Christian to help us pray through the tough times in life. And you've heard me say this before, a spouse is good, but I think you've got to step outside of just uh, husband and wife. Guys, you need another guy. Girls, I shouldn't say girls, gals, you need another gal that, you, that can pray with you and that can help you through tough times in life. You see, everyone needs an Epaphras in their life. He was with Paul when they're starting this church and this church and this ministry and this ministry. And I would say this to you today. You cannot carry the burden alone. I've seen it over the decades, time and time again. Lone Ranger Christians, people that think that they can just go through the journey on their own. They don't need to get involved. They've got it covered. And I'm telling you, it doesn't work. It never ends well. It's disastrous. You cannot carry the burden of the Christian journey alone. And yes, of course, we have God with us and Jesus with us, but I'm talking about finding another Christian <clears throat> to go alongside us. Because the truth is this, God has given us brothers and sisters in this life to help us along the way. You see, none of us are immune from life's tribulations and trials. And we must have people in our life with, upon whom we can call, whom we can pray for us during these challenge, challenging times. So think about that, number one. Let me get a drink real quick, sorry. Well, we've covered the first word of our passage today. Let's move on a little bit. Number two, the prodigal. Did you figure out who he is? Mark. Maybe some of you know him as John Mark. But Mark was involved in the early church in Jerusalem way back when. He knew Peter. He knew the other disciples. In fact, Mark, if you'll look in your Bible, go back in the beginning of the New Testament, you'll see Mark uh, not only wrote a gospel account, he wrote the first of the gospel accounts about Jesus' life and ministry. Mark was a cousin to Barnabas. He met up with Paul and Barnabas early on. In fact, he traveled with them on Paul's first missionary trip. You can look at that in the book of Acts and see that. Um, there was a problem, though. He traveled with them, but he deserted them and returned home without completing the trip. 
And this caused a serious disagreement between Paul and Barnabas. Do you remember that? In fact, it was such a serious disagreement that they split up for a while, which is crazy to me because Barnabas being what? What's his name mean? Son of encouragement, right? He was the encourager. But it, it was whatever Mark did, and we don't know exactly, it was enough that these guys argued about it and they split up for a while, and for a long time, Paul considered Mark unreliable. I want you to get that. I want you to stay with me here because there's a lesson for us to learn about Mark's name being mentioned here today. Because something happened along the way. Okay, you're the deserter. In fact, I'm so against you that my buddy Barnabas and I have to agree to disagree and split up. The greatest missionary team that the world had ever seen has to split up. And I got another guy and he, he gets you and do all that kind of stuff. You're unreliable. You've done this. And yet, eventually, that hurt that Paul had was resolved. And they joined together again in ministry. In fact, in time, Mark became invaluable to Paul. Did you know that? He became invaluable to Paul. Even at the end of his life, Paul wrote Timothy of his eagerness to have, of all people, Mark with him in Rome. 2 Timothy 4.11. Why? Why? Why would Paul, after what this guy has done, want to have him at the end of his life in ministry there with him in Rome? 2 Timothy 4.11. Because, it says here, and I quote, He is helpful to me in my ministry. Can you see the 180 that's taken place? So what I would say about Mark today is, and it's another everyone statement if you want to write it down, everyone knows a Mark. Everyone knows a Mark. In fact, can I be so bold as to say, you might be one. You might be a Mark. You see, there was a time in your life where you didn't complete the task that God had given you. Or you, maybe a time in your life where you failed. Maybe you failed Christian brothers and sisters. And yet, even now, God wants to use you in ministry and service. He wants to restore you. He wants to give you things you never even dreamed of. He wants to make you helpful in ministry, just like he did with Paul with Mark, excuse me. Everyone knows a Mark. Well, we're making progress. Let's continue on. Let's look at number three. And we see in verse 24 another name. This I call the partner, Aristarchus. Please don't name your child that. Not even a middle name. It's hard to pronounce. Aristarchus. Now, we know less of Aristarchus than these other guys, but in Colossians, again, the book of Colossians, chapter 4, verse 10, Paul mentions him there, and he calls him a feller, fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Once a fellow prisoner, now here in Philemon, what is he listed as? Did you see it? Did you catch it? He's listed now as a co-worker. He's listed as a co-worker. He was, from, he, he was from Macedonia. He was a Macedonian, and he partnered with Paul, and he traveled with Paul. Again, if we go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 19 you might remember a story. I just read it in my Bible reading recently. And uh, it was in Ephesus, and the Ephesians rioted. Do you remember? They rioted over Paul sharing the gospel message. And there was a group of people that really got it going because, because of Paul sharing the gospel message there, 
Um, there was a group that were threatened. In fact, their business was threatened. They were in the business of making idols. You remember that story? So their idol-making business was threatened. And Aristarchus' life was in danger, and he was seized and held for a time by the mob. You remember how the story goes. There had to be a church, uh, not church clerk, a city clerk step in. I don't know if you remember that, which is another whole sermon. God, Listen, God can use people who are saved or unsaved however he wants to for his purposes. But nevertheless, Aristarchus is involved in this, okay? So he'd been with Paul, and he'd been partnering with Paul. And these few short words that we have about him in Scripture are enough to attest to his devotion to the gospel and to the minister of the gospel, a guy named Paul. So here's another everyone statement. Everyone serves with an Aristarchus. Everyone serves with an Aristarchus. Sometimes, think about it, not many words listed here, not a lot we know about him, but sometimes the greatest servants of God are not in the limelight. Did you know that? The greatest servants of God don't necessarily have their own TV show. The greatest servants of God don't necessarily have their own radio program. You know, some guys still have radio programs long after they're dead. Did you know that? J. Vernon McGee, ever heard of him? Adrian Rogers, ever heard of him? I'm like, I flip it on. Well, whoa, what, this guy's, did he come back? No, it's just a recording of something he had done, all right? So sometimes the greatest of servants aren't in the limelight. The greatest of servants often aren't writing the bestsellers, the Christian bestsellers, or even the commentaries. Listen, often those who seek to be in the limelight are serving for the wrong reasons. We see it time and time again. We can serve, we can leave a lasting legacy even if we are not popular or well-known. I want you to know that. Listen, you're well-known in your family. Hopefully you're getting more and more well-known in your neighborhood. That's good. That's all you need to serve the Lord. I want you to think about that today. Sometimes the greatest servants of God are not in the limelight. Everyone serves with an Aristarchus. There is great power and effectiveness in cooperating and partnering together in ministry and missions. We see it all the time. We see it all the time. You've seen that, that uh, timeline or linkage that leads to Billy Graham, and you go back to some of the guys who led someone to Christ, or they were preaching and someone heard about it, and all of a sudden we get to Billy Graham. Well, those other guys, a lot of them, are not that well known. So everyone serves with an R Starkers. I just want to encourage you today. That's who you might be today. Keep serving. Don't worry about recognition or position. Keep serving. Listen, if one life is affected, if one soul is saved, your service has been worth it. Thank you. I heard one amen. I hope I would hear more. Listen, we got to quit beating ourselves up that maybe we're not the most eloquent or we're not the smartest or we don't have the most... Bible verses memorized, and really the most important thing God is looking for is availability. And we can serve the Lord even if we're not in the limelight. Think about that. I think I just lost my voice. I promised myself I wouldn't yell this morning. So. All right. You think about that today. Perhaps that is you. Well, we're going to have to take a turn to the left or backwards now because number four 
It's what I call the pretender. His name is Demas. Now, let's, Demas starts out well. I mean, look, he's listed right here in the co-worker section. Demas was one of Paul's friends and associates. Paul mentions him here, of course. He mentions him in Colossians 4.14, calls him a co-worker. He seems to have served faithfully with Paul, we think. He was serving faithfully with Paul, with Luke, and others in missionary endeavors. But something happened along the way. Do you know some folks that if you were going to write their biography, you could say something happened along the way? I'm talking about spiritually. Is that not true? Do our hearts not break for some of our children or our grandchildren where something happened along the way? Or a good friend or a teacher or a co-worker and, or a church member and something happened along the way. Where are they? What happened? Well, this is the case of Demas. At the end of Paul's life, Paul is awaiting the executioner's sword. Paul could have said a lot of things. He could have written a lot of things. But we find out what he does write in 2 Timothy 4.10. 2 Timothy 4.10. Paul stated that Demas had deserted him. Something happened along the way, right? And he gives the reason. Because, 410, 2 Timothy 410, because he loved this world. So I would stop there for a minute and say, that's true of most of the people we're thinking about, that something happened along the way. Maybe you're thinking about a child today, a grandchild, a former co-worker in the, in the gospel and service, a, a church member, a friend, whatever it is. Most of the time, something of the world got a hold of them whether it's trying to climb the ladder, whether it's finances, whether it's pleasure, whatever it might be, whether it's even laziness could be one of them. Whatever it is, something has happened along the way. Not only was Paul abandoned, but Demas had forsaken the goodness of the gospel. Now, we can't say that he was necessarily a heretic because he served for a while. But what we can say, according to what we have in Scripture about him, is he preferred safety. He preferred the values of this world instead of the risk of following God, instead of the values of God. So here's the everyone statement for him. You getting a pattern here? Everyone, what is he going to say about this guy? Everyone wants to avoid being a demon. Don't you? I do. I don't want to start out well and finish poorly. In fact, if I could say this to our congregation, which is a just slightly older congregation than some, don't finish poorly. Don't desert what you've given your life to, that you've studied your life for. Don't desert it. Keep serving. Stay strong with it. Because everyone wants to avoid being a Demas. Demas began well, or at least he pretended to begin well, but faithful service and zealous work do not guarantee the future. Are you aware of that? No matter how faithful you are today or how zealous you've been in 2023, doesn't guarantee anything for 2024. You must wake up every morning and choose. Today, Lord, it is your day. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to serve you. You go ahead and order my steps. We have to keep doing that. That's our future. We have to stay the course, as Paul wrote in another spot. We have to finish the race that Paul wrote in another spot. We must live faithfully each day each week and each year. I, I remember uh, for, for many years, teenagers would ask me, well, I don't know what God's will is. What is God's will? What can I do? I said, listen, do what he's told you to do right now. 
and do it tomorrow. And do it the next day. Are you listening to me, teenagers? Kids, are you listening? Do it each day, and all of a sudden it becomes a week, and then a month, and then a year. And all of a sudden, wow, you can look back and go, God's been working in my life. This is awesome. Do it faithfully each day. We cannot rest on the past, and we cannot assume the future. We are simply to be obedient. Simply. That's not very simple, is it? It's hard work. We are simply to be obedient and to be diligent right now. That's what we're to do. So everyone wants to avoid Ademus. We get to the end of verse 24, and we see one of my favorite guys. Number five, I call him the physician, Luke. Anybody ever heard of Luke? That is a name. If you want to name your kid that, that is, that's not a bad name. You could do that, okay? All right. He's trained as a physician, whatever that was back then. But what we do know about Luke is he is a prolific writer and a tireless worker. Can anybody think of a book of the Bible that Luke wrote? The Gospel of? Maybe my favorite. I'm not sure. Maybe. And then he also wrote another big, big book, the Acts of the Apostles. You know it as Acts. All right. So this is Luke. He traced the acts of what the apostles were doing. He, he traced the early church. He was along for the ride. And he documented the growth of the early church. And I don't know if you've ed, read Acts recently, but man, it has really been speaking to me lately. It is worth reading how much prayer. I mean, every time they were going to a prayer meeting, coming from a prayer meeting, or in a prayer meeting, meeting. God shows up and does stuff. It's crazy to look at it. And I would encourage you to do that. It also is encouraging because uh, they had the risk of death many times put upon them. They got thrown into prison many times because of sharing the gospel. That should be encouragement to us that we can do it no matter what the circumstances are. So this is Luke. He traveled extensively with Paul. He labored alongside Paul. He supported Paul. And again, at the end, facing death, you've discovered we can find out a lot in 2 Timothy chapter 4 about Paul's final days. But he's facing death, and this is what Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 4.11. I want you to think about this for a minute. Only Luke is with me. Now, that may not speak to you, but that speaks to me profoundly. When I'm at the end of my life, when I'm fighting the final battle, hopefully I'm still on the front lines, still serving the Lord, if he gives me the health to do it, it's pretty cool to have a Christian brother with me. Wouldn't that be for you? Think about it. That is a powerful statement that we just gloss over when we're reading our Bible. But only Luke is with me. That's what Paul says. So the everyone statement here is simply this. Everyone aspires to be a Luke. Everyone aspires to be a Luke. You see, as we serve together, we want to be a dear friend, don't we? We want to be reliable. We want to be trustworthy. We want to be full of great character. We want to be striving until the very end. Listen, nothing pumps me up more and I could name off a few names, but I won't because they would be mad at me because they don't want their name recognized. But there's some people that are way older than me who are striving 
in the work of the Lord to the very end. And I'm not just talking about easy work. I'm talking about diff, difficult work. That is so encouragement, encouraging to those who are coming behind you. Keep it up. Everyone aspires to be a loop. We want to support the work of God and provide service for the cause of Christ. So again, I say to you today, whatever your circumstances, whoever you are, serve God. Listen, it's not rocket science. You don't have to defend a dissertation about this. You just have to do this. Serve God. Take one step towards what he is wanting you to do and serve in ministry to the Lord. Serve God. Well, in summary, I want you to think about this. Everyone needs an Epaphras in their life. Everyone knows a Mark. Maybe you were one. Everyone serves with an Aristarchus. Everyone wants to avoid being a Demas. And everyone aspires to be Luke. So let me ask you a few questions this morning. What are your life circumstances? No, don't say it out loud, but what, what are your circumstances? We all have them right now, right? I'm not talking about the Thanksgiving crud either. I'm talking about circumstances in life, dynamics. How about this question? Who are you? Who are you today? How's your service to the Lord today? Are you a spectator or are you in the game? You need to get in the game because it's an eternal game. It's a life-changing game. What might be holding you back? I don't know, but this morning we're going to have a response time. And you can pray to the Lord, to the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, the Lord Jesus Christ who has saved us from our sin, provided us with grace. We can ask him, what is it, Lord, that's holding me back? And I believe he will share with you what it is or begin you on a path to discovering that. Now, Paul ends this letter with verse 25. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Some translations say the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Well, what's significant about that? He ends the letter just as he began the letter. Did you catch that? This is a letter to Philemon, to the house church. It's to be read to the entire church. And he begins and ends the same way with what? God's grace. Jesus Christ the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, is the source of all our blessings. From God flows unending goodness of his kindness towards us. You can define it in many different ways. It's grace. Even towards a runaway slave name Onesimus and if you'll remember I think I said it last week we all are runaway slaves in our own right when it comes to sinning against holy God so I would say to you again whatever your circumstances whoever you are serve God let me close by asking a few few more questions what would our world look like if we serve God what would our city look like if we serve God regardless of our circumstances or regardless of who we are or who we think we are because of something in the past? Do we believe that God forgives? I do. Do you? 
If we sincerely repent, does he forgive us? Yes. He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. I, I understand it doesn't mean that consequences always go away or we might have a scar from it, but he forgives. So listen, what might it look like in, in the neighborhood, in the city, in the world, if we serve God regardless of circumstances, regardless of who we are, who we think we are? Whose life might be saved? And I would just ask you one other question. It fits with the theme of what I've done with this book. What is your rags to riches story? Do you have one? If you're a Christian, you have a rags to riches story. And you can just share it. That's the beauty. You don't have to memorize that. You don't have to memorize your testimony. Why? Because it's your testimony. You've lived it. You've lived it, and you can share it. Now, don't share it for three hours. No one's going to listen to you that long. But you can share that rags to riches story. I would encourage you to do that. In fact, here's what I'm asking you to do today as we close. I'm asking you to serve God, whatever your circumstances, whoever you are. Hopefully, we've got that by now. I've said it enough. Now, I do want to point out one thing. Two things. There's some of you here today in this room or watching online who can't serve a master you don't yet know. You can't. Onesimus had this master. You know, we've been through all this. But we call Jesus the Lord Jesus Christ, do we not? Yes, he is Savior. Yes, he has shed blood on the cross, allows forgiveness of our sin. Yes. But he is also Lord. What another word for Lord is master, boss, controller. So some of you are like, I'm ready. I'm ready to get in the game. I'm ready to go today. I'm ready to serve. You can't do it. You don't know him yet. For God so loved the world that he gave. It was a gift. He gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him, what? Should not perish but have eternal life. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of your works, so that no one can boast. Listen, it's not what we do. All we do is say, I'm a sinner. I'm tired of going this way. I want to get in the game. I'm going to come and run to you. And I fall before you. Please forgive me, Lord Jesus Christ, of my sin. Transform me. And you know what? All across the planet today and all throughout history, everyone who has been sincere, the Lord Jesus Christ has never failed. He has saved. He saved me, a little boy in a messed up family. Somehow he broke through into my world, and he can do it in your world today. That's the best way to serve the master is to be transformed by him, have that relationship with him. So I encourage you to do that. I see a lot of heads nodding up and down. That's good. That's good. We need to get that good news out to other people so they can be involved in that. Another thing, some of you can't serve effectively because you may not have obeyed God about something. Perhaps God has brought you to the point that, that you need a church home, a church family, and you've not done that yet. But you need to do that. 
whether it's Hoppintown or somewhere else, you, you, you need to do that. You can't do it alone. You need to serve together. Some of you maybe haven't followed the Lord in believer's baptism. That's something that you need to do. That might be what's holding you back from serving effectively. For many of us, it might be a commitment we have not followed through on. To be serving the Lord effectively, we need to follow through on that. Or maybe it's a habit that we, with the Lord's help, that needs to be removed from us. Whatever it is, deal with it today so that we can serve effectively. So I want to ask you, what is God asking you to do today? And the scripture says, whatever he says to do, do it. Let's pray. God, I pray for forgiveness and reconciliation to continue to occur in our church, in our families, in situations. I pray for you to reveal to Christians that their past has been forgiven. They have a glorious future of service with you. I pray for those who don't yet know you as Lord, that you would explode in their life even right now, this today, this week. I pray for those who have held back on obeying you for a number of reasons mentioned today that you would speak into their hearts. God, just touch our lives today. In your name we pray, amen.